Welcome to Baptist Perspective with Jimmy Barber. Whether you're listening while driving home from work, sitting with a hot cup of coffee, or making dinner, we hope this podcast will be thought-provoking and edifying. Now, here with today's episode is Jimmy Barber. In our last podcast, we closed as we were continuing to review the passage in Acts chapter 6, and the men set apart by the congregation of Jerusalem, which appears to be the beginning of the office of deacon. So far, we found that, first, the congregation selected those to be ordained. Second, it was the presbytery within the congregation that set aside the men for the work. Third, seven men were selected. Fourth, that the men were selected and not women. Fifth, the men selected were all Grecians or Hellenistic Jews, since they had Greek names, and six, those selected were for the purpose of serving tables. The seventh consideration is that the men were to be of honest report. On the surface, this would seem to be obvious. Naturally, men who would be trusted with financial issues should be honest. However, honesty includes more than financial accuracy with money and other commodities. In the case of the widows receiving proper support, as was the case in Acts chapter 6, it would involve more than equally dividing the funds among all of the widows. As with widows today, each one is at a different place in life, and her need would not necessarily be the same as another. Therefore, one may require more attention and support than another. Also, as established later, some widows who are cared for by their kin at home would not need the support of the congregation, and the younger widows are to marry and not be taken into the number. See that in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3-16. through 16. Honesty not only requires the wisdom to know who should be taken care of and how much support should be supplied, but also it requires the strength, courage, and good judgment to administer these things and the finesse to oversee the office to the edification of the congregation. The eighth quality is that the men are to be full of the Holy Spirit. It should be obvious that this does not mean that deacons are to have some extra measure of the Spirit of God and that other men do not not have. The command for all Christians are to be filled with the Spirit. See Ephesians 5.18 Yet we know that this is not the case with each child of grace, especially those newly come to the faith. Sadly, many who have professed Christ for many years still are not filled with the Holy Spirit, nor do they know what it means to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord. While many things could be supplied to illustrate what it is to be filled with the Spirit, we will simply state for our purposes here that it is being filled with the understanding and sense of the Scriptures. 
We do not mean by this, as some denominations teach, that the Scriptures are the Holy Spirit. Nevertheless, it is the Holy Spirit that gave us the Word of God through inspiring men who wrote what God would have us to know. Obviously, men who study God's Word and know how it is to be carried out and live accordingly are men who are filled with the Spirit. Ninth, the men were to be filled with wisdom. Though we separate wisdom from being filled with the Spirit, it appears from the text that they are joined together. I believe it is apparent that if one is filled with the Spirit of God, he will equally be filled with wisdom. In short, wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge and understanding a person has. Therefore, if one is filled with the Spirit through his study and learning of the Scriptures, by wisdom he will be skillful to put into practice the teachings of God. It is essential that deacons have godly wisdom to know when and how to fulfill their roles in the house of God. They not only need to know how to minister to the widows, but to all the membership and to support the ministry as the need requires. Lastly, we find that these men were appointed over this business. The Greek word for business is translated more often need or necessity. In fact, it is only translated business in Acts 6.3. Therefore, the work of the deacon is whatever is needed to be done. In other words, whatever need or issue the congregation requires to be done is to be attended to by the deacon. Obviously, this does not include that which is to be done by the ministry or things which are to be accomplished by the continual Christian duties of the membership. In fact, this same word is used in Romans twelve thirteen, where the Christian is to distribute, quote, to the necessity, end of quote, of the saints. And in Acts chapter 6, The particular necessity there was that of seeing to it that the widows were supplied with the proper support from the general funds. Therefore, it appears that the deacons are to be in charge of the general funds. Often a congregation will have a treasurer appointed to collect the offerings, make the deposit in the bank, and write the checks. This business is to be done by the deacons. There is no office of treasurer found in the New Testament congregation outside of the deaconship. Obviously, it is expedient that one man be the record keeper of the finances, but the overall work is to be done by any and all deacons. Otherwise, Why put an individual into the office if he is not qualified for the work? Sometimes a congregation may be small as described as, quote, a church essential, though not a church complete for lack of officers, end of quote. This is noted in 
a summary of church discipline by the Baptist Association of Charleston, South Carolina in 1774. And this was reprinted in the book called Some Southern Documents of the People of God Called Baptist. And it was printed by the Society for Biblical and Southern Studies in 1995. With such a small congregation where deacons are lacking, this work may lawfully be done by the ministry, since the apostles, that is the ministers, were previously doing it in Acts chapter 6. Though it is good if a man in the assembly can perform this function to alleviate the minister and avoid possible complications or questions in a weak congregation. However, in either case, clear records should be maintained so that every cent is accounted for in its distribution. Obviously, the office of the deacon is best described in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13. I think it is noteworthy that verse 8 begins with the word, Likewise. This seems to say that the character and qualifications of a deacon are closely aligned and shadow those of the bishop. And since much of the work of the deacon is performed among the widows, it is extremely beneficial that his wife accompany him in the work to avoid any impropriety or appearance of immodesty. Sometimes the business that is needful in ministering to a widow is that which only another woman is qualified to do. This does not mean that an office of deacon is to be established for a woman, the wife of the deacon, as mentioned in verse 11, verses 11 and 12, can supply this need. Therefore, she is to be evaluated along with the man before he is ordained to the office. While we do not have the time in this study to fully evaluate the qualifications and office of the deacon, I would like to draw our attention to a couple of things found in verse 9 of this passage. It says, Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Too often, a man is ordained to the office of deacon simply because he is considered to be a good businessman, but he is lacking in understanding of the scriptures as a whole and in the beliefs of the congregation in particular. This ought not to be. While being a good businessman is not a bad thing and can be beneficial to the congregation of the Lord in particular, and a blessing to the kingdom of the Lord as a whole. This is not the primary reason for ordaining a man to the office of deacon. Along with the other qualifications outlining one of good moral character and behavior, he must hold or be in possession of, quote, the mystery of the faith, end of quote. In other words, he must, he is to be a man that knows the scriptures and the various doctrines taught therein. He must know the truth of the Bible and understand the relationship of the different subjects and their connection 
with the salvation of God. Since the deacon is an officer of the household of faith, he must be proficient in the word of God to not only assist the minister, but to aid in directing the congregation of the Lord in the mystery of God and its relationship to the faith of God's elect. See Titus 1.1. This, too, is part of the business over which the deacon is to administer. But the second part of verse 9 declares that the deacon is to have a pure conscience. Regarding this, Allow me to conclude by quoting first from Elder Walter Cash in his book, Practical Suggestions, which was a treatise on the labors of the ministry and the work of the deaconship. I quote, Deacons are to hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, 1 Timothy 3.9. They are not to be half-hearted in their endorsement of the truth, but are to have an experimental knowledge of it, for in no other way can it be held in a pure conscience. If they have but a superficial knowledge of it, they cannot console the poor and needy with their conversation and presence, nor will they be able to encourage those who have a hope in Christ who ought to come into the church. The fact that they are not in hearty accord with the principles upon which the church is founded will render the work distasteful to them and unsatisfactory to the church. He must not be in doubt about the doctrine of the church nor the duties of the office and should follow the promptings of a pure conscience. End of quote. And second, I want to quote from John Gill regarding a pure conscience. Quote, With a conscience sprinkled by the blood of Christ, with a conscience void of offense both towards God and man, with a suitable life and conversation, a conversation becoming the gospel of Christ and by which it is adorned. And this part of their character is necessary that such may be able to instruct and establish those who are weak in the faith and oppose and refute the erroneous and also recommend the gospel by their own example. Otherwise, should their principles or practices be bad, their influence on others might be very pernicious and fatal. End quote. As previously stated, much could and needs to be written regarding the office of deacon. But our time is up for today, and we will close for now. This also concludes our study concerning ecclesiastical government of the congregation of the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's edition of Baptist Perspective. We archive our episodes so you can go back anytime and listen again. Do you have a question about something you've heard or just want to let us know you're listening? Visit us at baptistperspective.wordpress.com. That's baptistperspective.wordpress.com. Thanks again for listening.